1: We can't stop someone from bullying them or we can't stop people from calling out names or, uh, you know, doing things that they want to do. What we can only do is make it more stronger or a space that's very safe and open for our own child. That's all I feel that we can do. Welcome
2: back to Open Late Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Spandiari, and this week we are diving back in with Magana Ravindra, the solo polyamorous woman from India who we chatted with last week. If you haven't listened to that episode, it's part one um, to recap for you a little bit. She's practicing solo poly. She shares with us her journey from being married to a man to divorcing and now navigating this space and how she sees herself living in the future. So this is part two of the interview and I can't wait to share more with you. Here we go. I think everyone listening knows that we're about to have some some biological babies via surrogacy, but uh, after that, I want to (laughs) adopt. My whole life's going to change. It's so interesting because talking to you and knowing like you know, you have a very similar outlook on life as I do, especially hearing that you want to raise kids in community. And so the question that I always get from people is, oh, are you still going to be open when you have kids as if it's a reason to close? And I find that like children is even more of a reason to remain open because then your kids will have multiple, you know, potentially, not every partner is going to want to be like a life partner. But I have that right now with, you know, with Lauren, who's a like a partner of mine who will very much be, I think, a part of their lives as an aunt. And I would never want that to go away. You know, of course, she wants to have children as well. And like just to know that we'll be so involved, it's like why would we ever keep that to ourselves yeah. and not extend that love and care and you know, support and mentorship and inspiration to our own kids.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And having worked with children, I've I've worked with children for more than 10 years and knowing that, and a couple of my partners and connections who have children, children understand non-exclusivity way more easily than we adults do. Like the earlier they get to know about it, it's, very easy for them to accept it you know uh, I have a connections child who's just who said that oh okay that's your choice and you know if that's your choice I am no one to say anything about it and children and this comes from a child who's eight years old and I'm like wow if, if only we adults were this accepting and this open to you know like saying that okay if this is who you are this is who you are
2: wow I love hearing that Um, I have some questions. Can Can we talk about this topic for a minute? I find this so interesting. Why do you think children
1: are more open to it? One is because they see the world. Yeah, they see the world the way we show it to them. A lot of times is what I feel like. If you are raised in a family that's very closed, you end up seeing for the first five, six years, that's what you see around you. And that's what you imbibe. Uh, until you go outside and explore on your own. So the first couple of years is what you grow up with, uh, which is why I also see a lot of children on the streets who don't have homes. They are very carefree. They don't like to be, you know, uh, fit into four walls. They don't like to stay in places which are closed. They like to run around free. They like to be by themselves because that's how they have grown up. They have not seen a home that's closed. For them, a street is the home so that's i think that's why children imbibe things so easily because if we bring it to them at an early age they will imbibe that and they will say that it's okay and uh, i'm i'm okay i don't have a problem with accepting my parents are non-monogamous or not exclusive
2: yeah and as someone who's worked with children for you know as long as you have like a decade right almost it's I'm curious, do you think that as they would grow up and then encounter different types of relationships, and maybe they would understand that, oh, this other thing, this exclusivity, this monogamy is more the norm. Do you think that they they would be hurt by
1: that or it would damage them to realize that they were raised in this other way? Interestingly, this is a discussion I had with my ex-husband where we had different uh, thought processes here, where I felt that it's okay to talk to your child about these things and open it out as early as possible. And he felt that they could probably get hurt when they grow up, you know, like uh, they may have friends who are gonna bully them or, because in Indian context also, you don't get to hear about these things. And it's associated with a lot of, you know, being loose and being, uh, you know, someone who's just having sex and nothing else. So he was a lot concerned about that. And I'm like, yeah, that could happen. I'm I'm sure that could happen because we can't change the world. We can't change things around us. What we can only do is have more conversations, be open to understanding what your child is going through or uh, what are the experiences your child is having. And be open to talking about it and figuring out what can we do about this and, you know, how, how can we work around making this more safe for the child? So I think that's that's the extent of things that we can do. But we can't stop someone from bullying them or we can't stop people from calling out names or, uh, you know, doing things that they want to do. What we can only do is make it more stronger or a space that's very safe and open for our own child. That's all I feel that we can do.
2: Yeah. But as a professional, like someone who is, you know, professional child care you know, worker for a while, you were very much wanting to share that and open up that way to your potential children. So I mean, that gives me like a lot of, you know, confidence and hope in the way that I want to raise mine as well. because as you're saying, like you can't control the world. And when people are, you know, say things because I've gotten that feedback and I've gotten that sort of negative response online of like, this is going to be so bad for your kids. And it's like, this is no different than a t- people finding out like, for example, like I had this experience in grade school because the, the school that I went to had a lot of kids that were more affluent or, you know, had money and I didn't. And I would get kind of made fun of for being like poor essentially. And so it's like the kids are going to, Be kids and kind of bully, do whatever it is, and so I think that when people blow it up, it's it's this detrimental thing, and you're going to scar your kid for life. It's like no, this is just the same as something else that people would target because it's a little bit different or a little bit other. Maybe your parents are gay, right? It's the same thing, but it's just people don't understand it, and so they're going to attack it more.
1: Yeah, that's sadly going to be there, and. Yeah, I mean, I I feel sad about it a lot of times when I see that online and people, especially when people talk in the context of children that, you know, you like parents are not good parents for opening up about these things, or they're going to push their child into um, extreme issues, or children are going to have mental health problems because of this. And I want to tell them that I grew up with a mental health problem in spite of my parents being monogamous. So it's it's just it just does not connect (laughs) yeah and i mean we can the the nuclear
2: family i i feel like i've been talking about this a lot recently I, i was on um some other people's shows recently talking about this specifically i got asked what i thought the benefits and the the disadvantages of sort of the traditional nuclear family and community was and it's like i think that the nuclear family most often lends itself to children not having all their needs met because parents are, you know, both working and just don't have the time and are in survival trying to accomplish everything and give this kid everything that it needs. And so, in so many ways, I think that uh, an open household or community or polyamorous relationship can be the thing that actually keeps your kid the most emotionally stable. You know, not always, right? There's People all over the spectrum in every type of relationship. So, guarantee there's people that are non monogamous that are going to really screw their kids up. (laughs) But probably not because of the non monogamy, because, you know, maybe all these other things. Like, you can't ever do it perfectly, right? Um, But I really appreciate this conversation because I think it's something that a lot of people think about the moment that they hear. You know, somebody is having children, everyone gets really protective. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, we know this model because we've lived this model forever. Um so deviating from that makes you bad or wrong or other or risky, you know. Um yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I think I'm I'm glad that there are people like you and other people who are open to talking about these things and you know saying that let's let's have more conversations around this and let's talk more about this and you are going to live that experience and show people while living that experience that hey you know this is not as bad as you said that it is is going to be it's quite it's a very natural thing and when someone shows that to you that's when you start opening up to more options and you know oh this is also a possible way And we can do this.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I had a friend recently just share something. He's um, an educator in the kink space and he's about to get married, but he's very open about the dom sub relationship and he has other partners that are submissive and they have that that dynamic and it's like very contractual that he has his partners and Um. Somebody had asked on Instagram, because he does these Q&As, are you going to introduce your like kids one day to your other relationships? They're in this, you know, dynamic. And he's like, of course, if this is a person who's really important in my life, then yeah, my kids are going to know them. He's like, it's not like after three dates, it was a joke. He's like, I'm going to bring somebody home to watch Frozen <laughs> like after just knowing them for a month but sure if this is a long-term relationship and this person is important to me and that's how I always think about it like like a single parent right if you are solo parenting are you never going to have your kids meet your the people that you're dating so that's when you know you just you're obviously going about it with a lot of thoughtfulness and caution and respect for all parties involved. You know, maybe your partners aren't ready to meet your kids. Like that's a whole other thing. Maybe they're not ready for that responsibility. So there's a lot of things to consider. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you because the whole inception for you coming on the show was a listener saying, I'm about to do solo poly, right? For the first time. And figuring out how to navigate it so what insights can you share if any advice you would give to other people who are embarking on the journey of solo poly
1: okay firstly i would like to say that i'm bad at giving advices i can only share my experience (laughs) so i mean yeah an experience may not be applicable to someone else in the same way but what i can share is uh what did Like, how did I figure this out? Like, and maybe that can help someone else figure if this is something that they relate to or if they are solo polyamorous themselves. So for me, it was very important to understand my value system. What what kind of a person am I? Um, When I went to Kerala to do the social leadership course in 2019, I realized I love my space. I love to be on my own. I was married for six years then, and I'd never been on my own for such a long time till then. And that's when it struck me that I love having my own space, doing my own thing, meeting the people I want to without having to think that there's someone home, I need to get back to something, I need to do this, I need to do that. So that was a very comfortable space for me. And that's when I realized that being there for myself and doing things I love to do is a huge part of me as much as relationships are. Uh, I love to make my own choices. I'm a very autonomous person. I get very uncomfortable if I have to take permissions or if I have to ask someone that, can I do this? Should I do this? I, I just don't like doing that. <laughs> it makes me extremely uncomfortable. So I knew that th- this is my value system and, and I love talking about it. Like I be- love being transparent. So these were two things that came together. And I knew that I didn't want to live with someone 24-7 because of this. I wanted to have a space I can get back to and zone out completely and not have to deal with anything else that comes with living with another romantic partner or um, uh, any other kind of partner, though I'm living with my parents right now. And that's a different ballgame altogether. <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I think that's something, realizing what your value system is and what you are connected to deeply can help you understand what kind of polyamory do you want to do? uh, What's the kind of polyamorous lifestyle you want to live? Uh, If you're someone who likes to live with someone, you want someone to come back. When you come back home, do you want someone to be there? You want to cuddle cuddle with someone, you want to hug someone and share some romantic moments, then solo polyamory can be very alone, very lonely space, Uh, you can end up feeling very alone. So yeah, I mean, just understanding that aspect uh, of yourself really helps in knowing if solo polyamory is right for you or not.
2: Yeah, this is really smart. Um, And I actually want to share too, for people who are listening, who maybe are new to this entire topic, and I just realized this we're talking about solo poly, right? The the difference between practicing polyamory as somebody who's uncoupled, right, as Magana is, and practicing like how I do in a relationship where I have a primary partnership with my husband is I'm in that relationship all the time and I might have these other relationships, you know, in in the same in in a parallel way to with him or in conjunction you know, with him in like a, a triad or something like that but i always have this relationship to come back to whereas solo poly you're probably living by yourself or you could do a hybrid where you have like a nesting partner and you have these other relationships but the other relationships are rather all equal there's really no hierarchy and yes. you could sort of put yourself into these categories or these boxes, or it could be very fluid and you can find that sometimes you're, you know, coupled poly with a primary partner or a nesting partner. And then that relationship might evolve or end. And then you find yourself practicing solo. But you know, it's interesting to hear you talk. And I just wanted to share that because some people might be like, well, what's what's the difference or what's the opposite of solo poly? Um Hearing you talk about how, you know, you didn't want to have, like, you really enjoyed your freedom. That's what I heard. You know, you went to Kerala and you like experienced what it was like to be really on your own and be responsible to yourself and to no one else. And that's so beautiful. And just hearing your experience and having that be so wildly different from your marriage.
3: It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 18 plus
2: made me realize that in my in my relationship in my marriage, we are also very autonomous. And, you know, we we do obviously we sleep in the same bed for the majority of our lives, but we we also have a very fluid relationship where there's a ton of travel on both ends. You know, we check in with each other, but I'm not concerned. Like if I'm not coming home for dinner, like Pasha will feed himself. And he's not like, Hey, where are you? Are we having dinner together? In fact, like I grew up in a household where dinner was super important. And for the beginning of our marriage, I would get really frustrated if he would like eat without me, like he'd be out all day and he would just like grab food and then come home and not be hungry and not have considered me. It was like a big, it was like a, I come from a very Italian household. Like we don't eat apart and you don't eat without me. (laughs) I've like grown a lot and it's interesting because I feel like my experience in my marriage is so different than your experience because I feel very free in, I I feel like I have the ability to, you know, I just, we were traveling Asia together and then my father-in-law came to meet us in Vietnam. And, and then, so we all did Vietnam together. And then my husband went to Bangkok and, Phuket in Thailand with his dad to have like a father son trip, which they've never done, and it was really sweet. And I went to Copenhagen and I did a week long retreat on my own. And after eight days, Amazing. I met back up with them, and it was incredible. And I didn't really like. Of course, I missed him, but I had a cute little fling while I was there with this like hot British boy, and you know. So it's. It's always interesting to hear, yeah, like other <laughs> other people's experiences because what you're saying, you would never go back to being married. At least you feel like you're not going to, because the marriage experience you had was very limited and very much codependent, right? In a lot of ways. And that's like not what you desire at all. And so it really makes me appreciate like what I have because similar to you, I could never live that way. And even though I'm funny about food. But just knowing that I could really live the way I want to live and have my space. And, you know, my husband's like that too. He really needs his own space. Sometimes he'll just go on a weekend trip on his own to clear his mind. And it's like so beautiful to be able to have that. So anyway, i kind of went on there for a moment, but I really like. No, but that's, I think that's great because I
1: feel. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because that brings me to this thing. We should not really restrict ourselves into labels. Like when I started reading up about polyamory, the only thing that I could read up was about triads and uh, you know people uh, staying with each other or they are married and they are opening up their marriage and then they are willing to have another person living with them. And I couldn't find more information beyond that. So for a longest period of time, I kept thinking that polyamory is about you know meeting couples or uh, it is about uh, having multiple relationships and staying together. I had I had no idea that it just goes beyond that. So, so again, solo polyamory is just a way of putting a different perspective or different way of polyamory. But it doesn't have to restrict to the word. Like I think you are solo and still nesting with a person. I mean, you're a combination of that. And what do you call that? <laughs> right. Like yeah. there's there's no word for it. Who knows? Right.
2: So. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's so true. Labels are, you know, being able to categorize things and label things is so beneficial. Until it's not right. Until then, it becomes limiting. And I always say this because we made a dictionary, um, you know, that's like a free download for people that has all the different, you know, terms that we use and definitions. And we also made a quiz so that people could find out like where do you fall, right? So there's there's a quiz and it's crazy because we don't have solo poly as one of the answers and I feel like I should go back and and work with the quiz and include solo poly because I think it's like a whole interesting dynamic and there's relationship anarchy in there which I think is different but when people take it it's a free quiz they can really see okay I identify this way and now I can understand myself a little bit better maybe But then the moment that you start to shift and change and grow, like throw it all out the window. And yeah, I think what like what we're both saying is great advice for everyone listening. It's like use it as a tool to help you navigate, but also you could move between boxes and you can be a combination of multiple things, as I do feel like I am.
1: Absolutely. Very right. One of my partners took your quiz and he got an artist, I think. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, (laughs) I love
2: that. Cool. I love when people tell me, please, guys, tell me if you are taking the quiz, send me your results. I really love it. And if you're open to it, I'll reshare them. I think it's really cool. It's it is a valuable tool, you know, and it's quick and it's little. And of course, you know, it's 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 an online quiz. It's not always going to be super accurate. And I think it's good to take it like every year or so and see how you change and evolve. Um, Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, you know, this is a great question and we'll start to like wind down here, but what's your uh, life look right now? What are your dynamics? You said one of your partners, so I'm guessing you're dating multiple people right now. Like, Give us a glimpse into what your current solo poly experience is like.
1: So right now I am living with my parents. I don't live really alone by myself as such, but uh, I know that at the moment that's the space I want to share and that's the energy and time that I want to give my parents. So I'm choosing to do that. I'm just thinking if I was in a monogamous relationship, this would have been very hard. But um, yeah, that's that's how I live right now, <laughs> and uh, I do go out and meet a lot of people. So I don't have a geographical restriction I meet people thousand kilometers away as well for me connection is very important like if they're physically not around I'm still okay with it like we end up meeting once or twice in a year and I'm good, good with that so but we still do have conversations through the year and uh you know we are connected to each other so yeah ge- there's no geographical risk restriction if there's a connection there's a connection that's how I go about it and um, I have different kinds of, like, again, I don't like to label them as partners. I usually say connections because it's a broader term. I use partners so that other people understand what I'm trying to say. Connections becomes very vague for people to understand. So I use the term when I want to share something specific. So I do have partners and connections who are very different. Like I have a platonic partner uh i have a romantic partner i do have an intellectual and a sexual partner uh, combinations of different i have a partner i'm very emotional with so we almost have a connection every day so it's it's different with different people because i don't connect in the same way with every person like, i don't connect in an emotional way with every person so that's how i approach dating as well that if there is a connection, like if we both love adventure and that's what I'm connected on, but I don't feel that sexual uh, energy or the sexual attraction towards you, then I'm not going to force myself to feel that. Uh, I'm going to let it be the way it is right? And let it flow uh, in the direction it has to flow. So I'm, I'm not going to push on, I'm not going to right. flow, uh, push things in a certain direction. And that helps because then I don't have this anxiety of what's going to happen with this relationship, or uh, you know these these questions that we grew up with as a monogamous person because I've been monogamous throughout my life till a couple of years ago. That this is not heading somewhere, or you know, there's that there are like these steps that okay, you meet today, uh, you fall in love, you start living together, right? So you build a life. So the escalator. I realize. Yeah, the escalator. <laughs> so I realize that that's very subconscious and even in non-monogamy or polyamory, you will look for that. Like it, it just happens very naturally that you look for it. And I have to consciously tell myself not to look for it and let it be the way it is. And if it has to sustain, we will make that effort to sustain. If it doesn't, it doesn't, you know. It it probably was not meant to sustain. So that's that's how I approach. And yeah and I don't have a restriction on the number of connections I make like s- someone had asked me what's your polysaturation and I'm like I don't know actually I still don't know <laughs> what a good question first of all I've never
2: heard that before I mean although like we do talk about it I've never heard it just as like a blanket question like what's your polysaturation <laughs> um that's so good and I can I just say I really appreciate the way you described the different connections and what you connect on and what they bring out in you because that is like hands down the beauty of polyamory I find is that I think about us like a pie and I shared this, I I wrote a talk called Your Partner is Not Your Superhero years ago and I actually recorded an episode where I shared a lot of the same like things that are in this talk and it's sort of all about the dangers of the one and when I wrote the talk it had nothing to do with non-monogamy it was really just about like the dangers of the one and don't don't pigeonhole yourself into like this this fantasy idea of one person meeting all your needs and in that I kind of came to this like realization to share that we're like a pie you know And we have all these different slices and these are different aspects of our personality and our humanity. And it's very challenging for one person to bring out and interact with all those sides of us and also for us to do that for another person. And if we can, amazing, but likely it's exhausting and you're going to burn out by trying to be that for that person. And it's, yeah, it's just so much pressure. And so I love you sharing, like, I have this partner that I'm really emotional with and I have this partner that's more intellectual and sexual and because it really speaks to that. Like we have so many facets and when we get to play in all the different realms and use those different aspects of our personality and just who we are, life is so much more fun and fulfilling and full and we're not taxing another person. To meet all those needs when it's likely things that maybe they're not even interested in. Like my husband is not artsy at all. He likes to go look (laughs) at art, but he's not, he's like, doesn't really wanna go see a play with me, Uh you know, like the ballet. And so whenever I like date somebody that's like really into that, and I've like dated some actors in the past, he's always like amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Like, thank you for filling that need for her because <laughs> I don't want to like go see Chekhov you know <laughs> yeah so I I really enjoyed yeah,
1: yeah that share a lot yeah absolutely and I think that's where here is where knowing what is anarchy helps like that's what helped me at least to understand these different connections because doesn't have to be with a partner. You can have these connections with your friends and your family as well. And that need can get fulfilled there. It doesn't necessarily have to be with a romantic partner. So, yeah, I mean, anarchy also brings that kind of a perspective.
2: Yeah, relationship anarchy gets a bad rap. But I, you know, even I was very like, oh, I'm not there. Be- and like thinking in terms because I'm married when not have children, we live in the same home, but in, in a lot of ways, like some of my most important relationships and the people that like, I feel most in love with are some of my friends that I don't hook up with that I'm not romantically involved with, but like, I would be devastated if they weren't in my life anymore, you know? So, yeah. Well, amazing. Um,
1: I feel full
2: and complete and saturated. <laughs> Yeah,
1: I I just don't want you to stop, honestly. I know I'm feeling I'm I'm very energy drained, but I just don't want you to stop because it's so much fun talking to you right now.
2: Oh, I feel (laughs) the same way. I really do. And I'm so happy that you reached out because it's been great to get to know you. The fact that we've gotten to do this twice now, it's really fun. And um, yeah, I'm just excited for people to listen and to learn from you and this perspective, because it's so beautiful and you're so courageous for doing this inside of a culture that's still maybe not ready for all of this. And you're very much a leader in that way. And I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, how you evolve in that role, if at all, you know, if it feels right to you to share more, I'm always going to be here to support you and uh, excited for you to potentially build this this village and, you know, a community of women, uh, where can people find you in the meantime, because you do share a little bit online. So how can people connect with you?
1: Um, probably my Instagram handle. That's where I share the most. It's crazy, curly vagabond. So yeah, that's my Instagram handle and people can connect with me there. Um, I also have a Blog, but that's not something that I consistently write. I don't write very often there, but I do write about my self-reflections and the work that I've been doing, and how did I, uh, how have I been navigating my space? So I do write about a lot of things that I reflect upon on my blog, and probably that's something that I can share with you as well later.
2: Amazing. Well, we'll link it in the show notes for everybody who's listening. We'll link your Instagram handle and your blog in the notes uh, so that people can yeah, follow your journey. And if anyone who's living right outside of Mumbai or close to you and wants to be part of your community, never know what can come from this. And also the quiz and the dictionary that we talked about will be linked in the show notes as well for people to take. And uh, last but not least, we have a WhatsApp chat now. so. You know, as the two of us are talking about building community and having a space to feel seen and be heard and ask questions, um, we have a community WhatsApp. It's completely free, and it's a space where this is exactly what we do: is people ask questions, we talk about these topics. I give coaching and share, as well as some other people in the group who have experience with non-monogamy and you know all the things. So don't hesitate to become a part of that with us. We are happy to have you, and as always remember to rate and review the show. It means so much to me and it helps more people find this show. And you can also ask questions in your reviews. So don't hesitate to send those in because I'll be doing some Q&As in future episodes. Meghana, thank you so, so much for joining me. Thank you
1: so much, Jessica.